0: Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hey, why don't you turn to two or three people and welcome them to church, welcome them to God's house, let them know how much uh, it is just great to see them today. I thank you so much. You know, I'm always amazed as a pastor. I'm like, people show up to like worship with us and be with us and grow with us. And so thank you so much. You just give it for yourselves. Thank you for taking the time to make God a priority in your house and your family and your marriage and your life and your mind. And, you know, I, I mean, God... God rewards and he blesses and he empowers, but I also think God just wants to be with his kids. And and there's something special when God's kids get together just to encourage each other and be together and and grow in him together and love on him and be loved by him. And there's just something beautiful about this moment. And I, I never want to lose that. I never want to lose the love for this moment a bunch of God's kids coming together saying God thank you for redemption thank you for saving me thank you for the blood of Jesus thank you for being better to me than I deserve and I get to meet with my family and we get to encourage each other to live for Jesus because I don't know if you all know this but it's crazy out there it is a it's a haven in here God's house is a haven And I think that's a beautiful thing because you can't go out there and get a lot of love, but you can come here and get some love. Amen. You don't get a lot of grace out there, but you can come here and get some grace. And you don't have sometimes the best friendships out there, but you can come in here and get some friends. Amen. There's something beautiful about God's family. And I see God in this season just doing something fresh. So thank you for being here. It means so much to me. More than you know, if you don't know me, my name is Matt. Uh, My wife and I have been pastoring for almost 20 years. We're coming up on 18 years of marriage this year. We have four kids. Two of them are twin toddlers. So we believe in Jesus and coffee and the power of prayer. And uh, one of these days we'll get a full night's sleep. It's coming. Uh, How many of you are ready for the Word today? I think this series is going to be so transformational. This is such a good healthy series for our church. You know, as a church, we've always wanted to have some of these deeper conversations, and, man, this series is definitely one of those conversations. I actually think throughout the whole year this is going to be one of the best series. I just, I think we as the body of Christ have to talk through holiness and what does it look like to follow God and what does it look like to live for him and serve him in a healthy way you know and in the church throughout the the centuries man she's kind of gone back and forth between like lots of rules and lots of condemnation and lots of heaviness to like hey do whatever the heck you want you know so there's got to be this tension of like what does it look like to follow God with a pure heart what does it look like to live for him and give him glory and so that's That's what we're talking about today. Uh, Last week, we talked about the concepts of righteousness. I'm going to do a quick recap in case you missed last week. You can check out the whole message on the podcast. But righteousness is being made right with God. Righteousness is used in a few different ways in the Bible, but the main way, when we talk about you're the righteousness of God in Christ, this is God making you right with Him. Now, this is not you making yourself right with God. And that's the difference, because a lot of people are like, well, I'm a good person, I'm not Hitler, I haven't murdered anybody, I'm going to heaven. So they've declared themselves right with God. That's not the power of righteousness. The power of righteousness is that God has declared you righteous with Him. Because He's the greater party in the relationship, right? And so if you've done something wrong, the person that you've wronged, they have to say, hey, I forgive you, it's okay, it's over. So we were the ones that did something wrong to God God in Christ has declared, it's okay, I've forgiven your sin, it's over in Christ. God did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. So righteousness is not me saying, yeah, I'm good with God on my own effort. This is God saying, no, you're good with me because of my effort. Huge difference there. I was FaceTiming my son Maverick this morning, and uh, he was having breakfast with my wife. They're up in Michigan for a couple more days. And I was like showing him the house. I was like, hey, buddy, you know, here's your room. Like, daddy misses you. And he realized, hey, I want to go home. And so he gets up from his chair in Michigan, and he tries to walk out the door. And I love the spirit, right? Like, I love the attitude. I love the energy. How many of you know my son can't find me? But I can find my son. You and I couldn't find the way to God. But God knew how to get to us. What a thought. We were lost. And so righteousness is God saying, in my son, you are right with me. Holiness is our position and our calling, we learned. We are set apart for God. We're the children of God now. We, we've been grafted in, the Bible says. So we are set apart. We, we are a holy nation. We're a holy people to him. It's our identity. It's who we are Is his people now. And because of our identity... Holiness is also our calling. We're called to live different than everybody else in the world to point to Christ. Holiness is our identity, and holiness is our calling. We have this beautiful call on our lives to live very differently. And then sanctification, the last one I'll focus on. We learned about sanctification, and it's the process of becoming like Jesus. I'm picking up his personality, and I'm picking up his priorities right? Like, I used to be full of anger and hate, but now I'm learning to love like Christ. That's his personality. His priorities, I'm learning to be generous. I'm learning to share my faith. I'm learning to do acts of service. I'm picking up his priorities, the things that he wants me to do. This this process is ongoing. Paul said, I haven't arrived yet. If Paul didn't arrive, you and I don't have a chance, okay? Okay. Mother Teresa probably got a little bit farther, but I'm on my way, right? Like, I'm, I'm on my way of becoming more and more like Christ. This is this lifelong thing, okay? Today, I want to read from Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to talk a, quite a bit about the cycle of temptation. We're going to talk about a cycle of grace. Uh, but I want to zero in because this is going to help us as we talk about how do I live a holy life I, it's my position and I'm called to it how do I how do I do this pastor how do I walk this through okay Colossians chapter 3 and this is Paul writing to the early church he said now that you are born again this is how we should live okay so he's like now that you are born again you know Jesus here's how I want you to live here's how God has called you to live one of the main things we get wrong as Christians is we try to tell the world how to behave before they've ever belonged. Until they meet Christ, there is no point to have a moral conversation. Once somebody is in Christ, then the Bible says, now that you're in Christ, here's how we live. Because until you meet Jesus, you don't care. But once you're in Christ, now it's my position in my calling. Right? And so for so long, especially in this country, we shouted morality and we should have just shouted Jesus. Because until you meet Jesus, you don't care. Right? Until the Holy Spirit's on the inside, it doesn't matter. Right? So he says to the early church, he says, since you were brought back to life with Christ, focus on the things that are above where Christ holds the honored position, the one next to God, the father in the heavenly throne. Keep your mind on things above, not on worldly things. Man, what a chore that just that is right there. Like You have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Christ is your life. When he appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death whatever is worldly in you, your sexual sin, perversion, passion, lust, and greed, which is the same thing as worshiping wealth. Wow. It is because of these sins that God's anger comes on those who refuse to obey him. You used to live that kind of sinful life. Also, get rid of your anger, hot tempers, hatred, cursing, obscene language, and all similar sins. Don't lie to each other. Wow, is everybody like convicted now? Right, list it all. Right, don't lie to each other. You've gotten rid of the person you used to be and the life you used to live, and you become a new person. This new person is continually renewed in the knowledge to be like its creator. Where this happens, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, uncivilized person, slave, free person. Instead, listen to this, Christ is everything and in everything. As holy people whom God has chosen and loved, be sympathetic, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Put up with each other and forgive each other. If anyone has a complaint, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Above all, be loving. This ties everything together perfectly. Also, let Christ's peace control you. God has called you into this peace by bringing you into his one body. Be thankful. Let Christ's word and all of its wisdom and riches live in you. Use psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Teach and instruct yourselves about God's kindness. Sing to God in your hearts everything you say or should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wow. What a chapter. I mean, he's just like, here is how I want you to live. Now, today I want to zero in a little bit on lust. Let's define lust in a simple way today. Me having a strong desire for someone or something that doesn't belong to me. Let me just zero in on this concept of lust and pursuing something that God doesn't want me to pursue. How many of you know that in our broken state of sin, we can want something that God doesn't want for us? Can we all agree that there might be something wrong with the human heart? In fact, the Bible says don't trust it. It's above all else, it's wicked. (laughs) Right? There's something inside of us that it's very easy for me to want something that God doesn't want for me. Let's, Let's be honest about another thing. Our lusts look good to us. Our lusts look good to us. You might lust after something differently than I do may not be the same thing. In fact, what you greatly desire, I might be disinterested in. And what I desire, you might be totally disinterested in, right? This is funny too, right? So here's the thing. The enemy will not use what you're disinterested in to tempt you. He won't use it. He's going to look inside and he's going to test and try and tempt. He's going to see what you really want and he's going to try to hook you with that. I, I brought a, a pole spear today. Don't worry, nobody's gonna get impaled. Now, this I have a little safety thing on here. I'm gonna take it off for a moment and not not try to stab myself. This is a pole spear, and you use this pole spear to do some spear fishing with. Now there's there's spear guns, and there's also poles. I like using poles because I kind of feel like Tarzan. Like it just something just feels really really awesome about going underwater and nabbing a hogfish with one of these bad boys. So what you do is you take the rubber band and then you like pull on the rubber band really, really tight. You bring it all the way up here. It creates a lot of force and a lot of tension. And you get within a few feet of the fish and then you boom, you let it go and the pole goes flying at the fish and it's got a super sharp 3 prong tip here, spear, and, and man, that's it. You got a, got a hogfish sandwich on your hands, right? And it's awesome. Now, this pole spear is really, really deadly to a fish. But it's deadly because the fish doesn't know that it's deadly. If I got close to a fish and the fish knew this was deadly, in my scuba gear or freediving, I would never get close enough to a fish to catch it because they're so fast and so powerful. It's their environment. I could never catch them, but they see color, they see shimmer, they see light. They don't think it's deadly at all. They think it's cute. And so they don't run away, and I'm able to get the fish. Y'all, if there was ever a picture (laughs) of temptation and lust, that's it. Lust doesn't look bad. It looks good. It's just not good. Church, this is something I think you have to settle in your Christianity and in your heart and in your mind. If God's word is true and it's right and and Jesus really did live and die for me and I I believe this thing and and now my life really is handed over to God, then I have to let God define what is good and what is not good for me. Nobody likes that. I know. I know. But if I'm a follower of Christ, part of following Christ means handing over my moral compass and letting God tell me how to live for him. And I recognize because something looks good for me doesn't mean it is good for me. And just because it looks innocent doesn't mean it is. The enemy will always do this cycle in the life of a believer, and I want to talk about this because I want you free from this cycle. The enemy will bait; he'll use something that looks great. You know, it's sparkly. It's I'm interested, right? And and he'll tempt with that. And so there's temptation first. If the Bible says God doesn't tempt anybody, right? It's not who God is. It's not His nature but the enemy, man, the enemy of our souls, you better believe. He'll use, he'll use your interests. He'll use your hearts. He'll use your habits. He'll use your pains. He'll, he'll use your childhood. He's, he doesn't play fair. And so there's this cycle of temptation. And then, and then if, I, if I commit to temptation, and being tempted is not a sin. Let me just clarify that. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way we were, yet without sin. So being tempted is, is not a sin. Having a pool. Having a thought, having a confusion, that's not a feeling, that's not sin, that's temptation. But when I buy the temptation, when I sink into it, when the spear hits me, right? Like, then I've gone from temptation to committing the action, then I've moved into sin. Now I've, I've said something, I've done something, I've, I've committed the, the temptation, I've given into it, now I've committed something. The moment I've committed sin as a believer, do you know what the enemy's next play is? condemnation. The devil is the first person to help you get into sin, and he's the first person to point out that you did sin. And so as a believer, I think one of the worst places for believers to be is to be trapped in this cycle of temptation. I'm trying to fight it in my flesh, which we don't have any power to fight temptation in our flesh. Heads up. If you've been following Jesus for more than five years, you're starting to know this now. I got no power in my flesh to fight the enemy or fight temptation. I can't do it in my, in my flesh. I just can't. So it's temptation, failing to temptation. I'm in sin. Now I'm in sin. Now I'm in guilt. I'm in shame and I'm in condemnation. I feel a little bit better, right? Time goes on. Okay. I'm back to this. Yeah. I'm following God again. Temptation, (laughs) sin, condemnation. Okay, thank God, I, you know, I feel a little bit better. I watch the Netflix show. I watch Friends. I'm happier again. Temptation, right? Sin, condemnation. So many believers spend years in that cycle, and it's miserable. And I, I've been there different seasons of my life. I've been there, and it's absolutely miserable, especially when your heart is, God, I really want to follow you, and I really want to live for you. That, that is a miserable, miserable circle. And I got to be honest, guys, it kind of ends in one of two ways. Like, you, you, you do this round for a while, and your heart is having a hard time with it, and a couple things kind of happen, right? Like, if I sit in this condemned place without feeling any power to get out of it, right? I, I kind of do one of two things. I quit, and I just accept condemnation. And I live a condemned, miserable Christian life where I never feel good enough. And I just kind of give in to the sense of shame and condemnation. And I quit. And I quit trying. And and I just like, okay, I guess this is it. I'm going to live condemned and live in shame. Or something that I think is even worse, I grow hard. My heart grows hard. And I stop listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And my heart gets hard. The Bible says that God kept dealing with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh, what did he do? He hardened his heart. I've seen a lot of believers in 20 years of pastoring. They do this cycle a few times. They can't get out of it, and they're like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to harden my heart to the Holy Spirit. People are like, oh, I'm not convicted about it. Y'all, that can be a scary place, too. Sometimes we think as people, well, I'm not, I'm not convicted by it. That doesn't mean you're right. That doesn't mean it's good or safe or God's will, right? One of the things I I think, I know we're all quiet and we're listening, okay, but I, I know I'm digging in an area we need to dig in is the body of Christ. Just because I feel something doesn't make it good theology. Just because I think something doesn't mean it's good theology. Because if God's word is God's word, these are God's thoughts. So maybe man's thoughts stand for a generation, but they gone the next generation. So just because I'm like, well, I, whatever, you know, that's not good theology. And so if God said, here's how I want you to live, because there's this really good free path for you, something to meditate on, okay? Just sit on this and think about it, okay? Like, I, I want you to let this sit in your heart. Where, why did I come to the conclusion that I've come to? Are you sitting in a sense of condemned? Or maybe you just don't even care anymore. Are you hardened your heart, right? Well, So what's Jesus' answer to this, right? Because this is a real thing. This cycle is a real thing, temptation. I mean, hello, we live in South Florida, right? There's a lot of good-looking people. We're not that good-looking in Indiana. I was just there on vacation. I got back. I'm like, I don't know what's in the water in South Florida. <laughs> like, if you get a good-looking person in Indiana, like, yes, it's one in a million. You struggle, you know, it's like... I can say that because I'm from Indiana, okay? If you're, you're like, wow, he's prejudiced against Hoosiers. Well, I am one, okay? So I can say that. Like, I don't know if it's the sunshine, the orange juice, whatever, okay? There's lots of temptation. So how do I get out of temptation, sin, condemnation, temptation, sin, condemnation, right? The answer is, is grace. Grace is initiated by God's heart. It's God's love. You see, temptation makes sin look good, Grace makes Jesus look better because, yes, I'm tempted to sin, but I'm also tempted to see what God will do if I obey him. I'm tempted to see what blessings God might bring if I trust him. I'm I'm, I'm tempted to see how God will meet my need if if I let go and just, instead of just me meeting my own needs my way all the time, how might God meet my need? in his will, in his way, in his perfection. Here's the thing about the enemy, though. Temptation and lust, lust will always promise something it cannot deliver on. Always. We think pleasure means happiness and joy, and it doesn't always. So instead of me always being tempted and condemned and cycling and cycling, what does it look like to let go and say, Hey, God, like I know this is what I feel like doing, but this is what your word says to do. What if I did that? What if I responded to grace? What if I responded to love and I trusted you? Here's the thing about obeying Jesus. Sometimes it's not always fun in the moment. It's not. There have been seasons in my life I've been the most miserable trying to obey Jesus. I would be a terrible pastor if I got up here and told you every time you obey God, it feels amazing. That's a lie. That's a lie. There are seasons of life obeying Jesus. It doesn't feel good at all. It doesn't feel good at all. I felt lonely. I felt rejected. I felt forgotten, you know? And God's like, I'm just going to leave you there in the trenches and let you obey for a little bit and let you, let you simmer a little bit. And that's, you know, does God reward? Does God bless? Does God square away? A lot of times, heck yeah, he does. And beyond, like even more. And I would be really lying if I said, you know, temptation, again, your lusts look good to you, right? And the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. So if I get up here and be like, don't sin, it feels terrible, that's a lie. Sin feels amazing while you're committing it most of the time. I mean, it's the Bible says it's pleasurable for a season. But one day, that season ends. That season ends. And so we're called to live for this greater, higher calling, and reward. Pastor, is God trying to make my life miserable? No way. God is trying to bless your life. He's trying to fill your life. He's trying to free your life. He's trying to meet your need His way. That'll be joyful, pleasurable, blessed beyond anything you can ask, hope, think, dream, or imagine, right? But how can God get you on the cycle of obedience, empowerment, reward, obedience, empowerment, blessing. How can he get you on this cycle from this cycle? And that's grace. That's grace. The grace of God forgives me of my sin. The grace of God cleanses me and purifies me from my sin. See, this is the heart transformation part. My heart begins to change where what looks so good doesn't look as good anymore. Because Jesus is looking better and better. And his way is looking better and better. Pastor Matt, how the heck do I do that? That is a work of God. We don't do that. We ask for it. We open ourselves up to it. But that is a prayer of faith. Jesus, change my heart. This is David in Psalms 139. God, if there's any wrong way in me, search me, know me, change my heart, align me with you. So get me off this cycle And get me on this cycle where grace purifies me, transforms my heart, and then grace empowers me to choose Jesus and not just temptation all the time. See, we think of God's grace as something I need after I sin. No, man, you can get God's grace before you sin. There have been times I've prayed, God, unless you give me your grace, I'm going to screw this up. I need grace. I need heart transformation. I need wisdom. I need to see it now. I need grace now. You know the beautiful thing about God? The Bible says that in all of our temptations, that God always gives us a way out. Isn't that amazing how good our God is? That when you and I are tempted, we think, oh, I'm going to fail. I'm going to screw this whole thing. I'm going to take the plunge. God will always give you a way out to take before that road heads off of a cliff. Every single time. Always. Right? Right? It's just, are we going to take it or not? But you do a few rounds of this, and if you're a believer for more than five years, you know this cycle's no fun. And then you start learning, my lust can't deliver on what it promised. This goes all the way back to Eve, right? Hey, eat this fruit. You'll know the difference between good and evil, life and death. She already knew life. What he meant is you're going to know death. The enemy will always load your lust in a way that looks good. It just isn't good in the end. Am I telling the truth? Too uncomfortable today, isn't it? But this is it. I want to dissect this because this is so important. Grace begins to change my heart. God's way, Jesus, begins to look better. I choose obedience. God empowers me. He transforms my heart. God rewards me. He blesses me. I'm back on this cycle of obedience. Pastor, do I still have to kill my flesh? Absolutely. Your flesh will never die until you go to heaven. There's going to be a part of you that always wants to do wrong forever. Right? There's a part of me I just have to kill it weekly. That's it. That part of Matt just needs to stay dead. So the good parts of me can keep cycling again and again and again. So what needs to die in you? I don't know. It's something. Something. What what lust do you have to let go of and place on the altar and begin to trust Jesus? I don't know, but it's something. We all got it. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't say it. Paul starts right out with it. He goes, y'all, let me just deal with y'all right away. Let Let me just tell you right now. Let's talk about this, right? And let me deal with your heart. Let me transform you. I want to close with this a little bit here. Ezekiel 36, 26, God talking to his people. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Today, if you're in here, let me close with this. Let me talk to you. If you're sitting in condemnation and you've quit in your heart, or you've calloused your heart, you just let your heart grow cold and you don't care. That's a more dangerous position than the condemned position, okay? But let me, let me talk to you today. You're calloused that you don't care, or you're just sitting in condemnation. What's the answer? The power of the Holy Spirit, God refreshing you at giving you a new heart today if you're willing to listen to me and as i've been talking there's things in your spirit just turning, and turning, and turn and turn and turn and, turn and, turn, and you're like he's too uncomfortable for me he's all up in my business this is good this is a, it's, that's a good thing okay that's a good thing today because i'm not here to condemn you i want to help you get you on a cycle of blessing and reward and god's will you on god's will is better for your life and it's better for everybody else's life too because we live in a world we think well if i sin i don't hurt anybody that's not true this is how we break the whole world, sin. How do we reconcile and restore the whole world? Obedience. Okay? It's good for your life. It's good for everybody else's life too. Right? It's good for God. It's good for you. It's good for the world. We're getting on the cycle of blessing and reward. Today, if you're in condemnation or you're calloused, here's your prayer. Holy Spirit, give me a new heart. Give me a soft heart. Forgive me. Bring me your grace get me out of condemnation, set me free, get me on this path of blessing. I hear the pastor talking about it. I don't know how the heck to do it. Change me. God will begin to do it. And the next time the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you about some stuff, obey him. Obey him. Next time you want to blow up in anger, you want to start cussing everybody out, you want to scream on Twitter, and the Holy Spirit's like, why don't you pray for that person instead? Obey him. Come on, somebody. Obey him. Right? Temptation makes lust look good. Grace makes Jesus look better. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord, I know it's a teaching. I know I'm up in everybody's business. But Lord, I love this church. I want us to be a healthy church. I don't want us to be callous, and I don't want us to be condemned. Lord, we want to be a people that are growing in your grace. And so I'm not mad at anybody where they're at. I'm not trying to to condemn them in their place. I'm not trying to make them feel bad about themselves. But Lord, I want our church on a cycle of obedience and blessing and reward. And the only way to do that is your grace. And so Father, we need new hearts today because until you transform our hearts, nothing matters. And so Holy Spirit, would you pour out on us today? Would you give us new hearts? Would you give us soft hearts to actually want to obey Jesus? And, Lord, would you use us to to help bring healing to this world. In your amazing name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or, as always, visit us online at citylift.church. Have an amazing day.